Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome. Uh, I'm excited for when this becomes uh, less about me staring at a camera and uh, pretending that you guys are like back there somewhere, and it becomes more uh, when we can do this face-to-face again. But, I mean, such... Such as it is, I guess this is what it is for now, right? This is what we've got. So I guess, yeah, welcome. Um, so maybe you know who I am. Uh, maybe you don't. You look a lot like a camera right now, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, I guess let's be welcome uh, wherever you're at, right? Maybe you're part of our OVV family and you you know who I am and you've seen us. Obviously, you're welcome. And uh, maybe, but maybe that's not you, right? Maybe you're a guest and you're kind of just visiting in and you're seeing this for the for, for, uh, first time. And if that's you, you're, you'd be welcome here as well. And, or maybe you find yourself in a place where uh, you're, you know, you're not really sure what you think about this whole Jesus thing. And uh, yeah, you're just not sure. I guess I just want to put you at ease and say, I mean, this is for, this is for everybody. So uh, wherever you find yourself, I, I hope that you can find something in here. And I hope that uh, God speaks to us through this in some way, and that's what, I'm, that's what I'm praying for, and that's what I'm hoping. Um, if you do fall in the camp of having been with us over the last couple months or weeks, you're going to know that we've been working our way through the Psalms, and that's how we've been basing our discussions. Uh, I mean, COVID has shaken our world, and everybody's kind of been touched by that. And so uh, during this moment, we thought, well, hey, this is probably a good time to just go back to the Psalms, right? The Psalms are the songbook of Israel. It's in it the people of God are wrestling with every emotion and every circumstance under the sun. There's uncertainty and fear, betrayal, loss, death. And so in times of turmoil, when we experience that, we find reflected like a mirror in the psalm, something that is also a very real, tangible part of our own reality, right? This reality of the human experience. In the psalms, we glimpse the hearts of the people of God as they wrestle with, okay, well, what does this mean? What does this mean to love and to trust God in this wild and crazy world and all of its uncertainty and all of its permutations and all of its weirdness? Um, uh, when it all starts to go sideways, we're invited into their wrestlings. We're invited to walk alongside of them as they experience this. And so we thought it was appropriate as a teaching team to, hey, well, let's enter the Psalms as a community. And in this time of uncertainty and wrestling, let's walk alongside the writers and those who have gone before us and see what we can learn and see what it is that God uh, wants to say to us in this. And so the psalm that we wanted to jump into this morning is Psalm 127. It's uh, pretty short, and uh, I'm I'm promising that uh, this morning is going to be a little bit shorter. At least that's what I'm aiming for. Uh, But let let me just make a quick note about how this is going to be structured, right? So we're actually just going to zero in. This is a little bit unique for me. We're just going to zero in on one verse. So instead of looking at the psalm as a whole, we're just going to go into verse 1. We're going to spend a little bit of time in verse 1, and then we're going to ask a bunch of questions kind of out of the theme of that verse, saying, well, what does this mean? What does this mean for us? And we're just going to kind of unpack that and maybe do a little bit more of a deep dive on one verse instead of looking at the psalm as a whole. That being said, let's read the whole psalm because it's only five verses long, and then we'll dive into verse 1 for the rest of the talk. Uh, So Psalm 127, I'll go ahead and read it for you. It says, A song of ascents, of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And uh, let's just jump to verse 1. It says there, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And so right at the beginning, we're presented with two very common everyday things, right? There's the building and the making of a home. And then there's the protecting of a city where one finds themselves. And really key to both of these things and key to the interpretation of the verse and what it means is, is these themes of safety and security. Uh, people build and they live in houses. You live in a house. It's shelter. It's security from the weather, right? Humans need shelter to live. Turns out that that's just a basic human need. And, and then... In this time, people would have lived often in, in cities, in walled cities, and that would protect them. Whenever there's political turmoil or there was armies or there was bandits or there was something, people had banded together, they had walls. And in order to protect and to look to the security of your family and your home and your city, there'd be sentries, right? There'd be watchmen, watch people posted to keep an eye out uh, for danger, for anything that would uh, come against them, anything that would endanger them. And so you have these statements about everyday natural things that are representing safety and security, right? Uh, the building of a house, the protecting of a city, safety, security, uh, protecting what it is that belongs to yourself. And the psalm then goes on to kind of shockingly declare over these things that unless the Lord builds the house alongside of you, or unless the Lord watches over the city, uh, these things are done in vain. So maybe the first question that we want to ask is, what does that mean when it says that these things are done in vain? Um, maybe we can start with what it probably doesn't mean. Um, it doesn't mean that if you build a house and then refuse to glorify God, that your house is just going to like melt into a puddle of goo. I think we can safely say that it, it doesn't mean that. I mean, there seems to be natural laws where, you know, you build a house and it stays built. Same with, same with a city. You know, there's, there's very practical results. You watch over the city and uh, then you see things and, and, and there's protection and there's, there's good in that. And so if it doesn't mean that, what does the word, what does it, what does it mean? And it, when you look at the word vain here, what it means is it means something along the lines of this will lead nowhere. These things that we do. Um, probably aiming at security and safety. Without God, they are worthless. Um, without God, they will come to nothing. And these things don't have any value, right? The meaning of the word, they lack meaning, they lack purpose. It's the simple like doing of something, but with no end result. And so one of the things that, the main thing that comes through in this verse is, is the message that looking for safety and security apart from God is in vain. Looking for safety and security apart from God will come to nothing, has no substance, will not satisfy. Looking for safety and security apart from God is hopeless. Everything else will let you down. Everything else will break under your weight as you lean on it. Um, God alone, this is the inverse, God alone provides 
true safety and true security. And on a practical note, I think that we're living in a time when this truth has kind of risen to the surface. This truth has kind of become a little bit more clear and easier to see than I think that it has before. And I think that's really interesting. Um, this truth that God alone provides true security and safety, this truth that scripture holds out and claims. And because I think that what we see is over the last couple of years and before COVID hit, I think we would have said, I think of it like a lake, right? Maybe that's appropriate to our area. There's a lake and there's a water level. And what you have in these lakes is you have rocks that are objectively there. But when you look at the lake, if the, if the water level is high enough, you don't see those rocks. They're covered over. It looks just like lake. But I think that kind of what has happened over these last number of months is I think that that water level has dropped a little bit. And I think that um, some of these rocks uh, we're starting to see or they're starting to break the surface of people's awareness and perception. And, and that is... And what, what these, some of these rocks are, one of these rocks is that God alone provides true security and safety. One of these rocks is that our reality is a lot more fragile than we think it is. And this, this just become more obvious, right? A plague has reached into our homes and our communities, and there's all kinds of social changes and effects. You go to the grocery store, there's no chicken, there's no toilet paper. Oh no, am I going to have to live without toilet paper for the next year? Um, there's an increased fear of strangers. We're experiencing increased distance from everyone. As we're looking, we're yearning for ways to connect socially with people. And some of you have experienced more uh, of this than others and some less. But wherever you are on this spectrum, this has affected you. There's no denying that there has been social change. There has been an alteration. And it's in these times that I think our eyes are open to the fact that our reality really is quite fragile. Um, and many of us as many of us know from experience just over the last couple months, things can change very fast. The things that we have safety and security in today may be one of the things that changes when the sun comes up tomorrow. It may disappear like fog or like mist. We may wake up one day and realize that what we've been trusting in, what we've been relying on, what we found safety and security in, it's just gone. Uh, and I think that we're living in a period of time where we've either experienced this change and we've seen this happen in our own lives, um, or we've seen this happen to the lives of those around us. And I think that this is true of our community and the people around us and our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones. I think we're living in a time where people have had their safety and their security disrupted. Um, they've caught a glimpse of that boulder kind of picking, uh, poking up above the water, that our reality is more fragile than we thought. And I think that a lot of people are uh, asking the question of, okay, well, what can I trust in? And people have been shaken by this. I, I think this is true of myself, too. And it's into this place of cultural uncertainty that this verse speaks, saying, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I mean, this verse says into this cultural context, true security, true safety is to be found in God alone. Now, an important question uh, to stop and think on is uh, probably, okay, that's great, Matt, um, that you have this to say, but what, what, does it, what does it mean when it says that true safety, true security? I mean, those are nice words to throw around, but what do you, 
What do you mean by that? Like, for example, do you mean that if I trust in God that I'm always going to have money, my house will never burn down, I won't get hit by asteroids, and I'll never be in a car accident that will endanger my life or limb? Like, is, is that what you're saying? Um, what do the words safety and security mean? Um, what are we talking about here? Uh, good question. Thanks for asking. Uh, in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Jesus is going to say this. He's going to say, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I quote Jesus here uh, in order to point to the fact that in order to understand what is meant by safety and security uh, and where your treasure is kept, uh, it's important to understand how Scripture presents the world, right? I mean, Scripture says that in God is life. Well, it says God is life himself. He's the source. He's the fountain of life. And so when one comes to him and says, Father, I want to know you. I want to be with you. Uh, Forgive me. Um, I love you. Uh, please take me in, even though I know I'm not deserving. In that moment, we're connected with life itself. Um, scripture is also going to say, death is not the end of all things. I mean, contrary to what our culture would say, a lot of our culture anyways, death is not the end of all things. Instead, the biblical worldview is going to see death as a door that leads to a future. And it's going to lead to a future that is either with or apart from God, and and with God is life itself, and all goodness, and all joy, and light, and peace, and apart from God is the absence of all goodness, the absence of joy, the absence of peace, the absence of love, darkness, hell itself, and this is related, Uh, and so when we're talking about God being the only true source of security and safety, um, we're not talking about God promising that life will be easy. Um, Instead, I'd say the the promise is definitely much more metaphysical. I think the promise is also much bigger than just life is going to be easy. The promise on offer here is that no matter what happens, God will hold us secure. God will hold us firm in his hand. No matter what comes to pass, evil will not win. No matter what, if we want, if this is what we choose, we will live with God in the presence of all goodness and life and wholeness and love, because through Jesus we have become a part of his family and we will not be separated from him. None can pluck us out, can take us out of his hand. We are secure and we are truly safe there, no matter what happens. Um, And another question just on the back of that that could be asked is, well, Why is this found in God and not in other things? I mean, I understand what we're talking about when we're talking about safety and security, but why is this true of God and not something else? And I think the beginning of an answer to that is found in Hebrews 13, uh, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Uh, So why is true security and safety to be found in God alone and not in these other things? I think the answer is to be found in God's nature. God alone does not change. Uh, Everything else is subject to time. Everything else is subject to change, Um, uh, no matter what it is. But God himself does not change. And because God's 
character and God's promises do not change. He is the only thing that we can rely on no matter what. Everything else will rust. Everything else will be destroyed. Everything else will come to nothing. Everything else will ultimately fail us in one way or another because it is temporal. Um, if we trust in our minds, they will fail. If we trust in our strength, it will disappear. If we trust in our beauty, it will one day be gone. If we trust in our money, that's also a fickle thing. It is no, by no means certain. However, Scripture paints a picture of saying, there is only one person who sits, uh, sits above everything else. There is only one person who will not fail us. There is only one who grants true security and true safety. And that is Jesus. And you'll note um, that I was very careful not to say this. I did not say there is only one person who will not disappoint us. I said he will not fail us, not that he won't disappoint us. And let me just dwell on this for a second. As we read through the Psalms and the rest of Scripture, we see disappointment. We see frustration with God at different points. Um, but the tricky thing about disappointment is that disappointment is largely based on the perspective of the person who is disappointed. Um, failure and disappointment are not the same thing. One of them is objective. The other one is subject to someone's experience. And when we feel disappointment, um, it, it's based on how we're perceiving things. It's based on how we're seeing things. And so don't hear me saying bury that or something. I mean, when we feel disappointment, let's express that. I mean, God is big enough to take, this is the same with doubts. Let's express our doubts. Let's express our disappointments. Let's wrestle with them. Let's discuss them. Let's be there for each other. Let's weep together. Um, but we should always remember that just because we're disappointed in something, it does not equal or does not mean that God has failed us. And I suggest this humbly. I want to be careful about how strongly I say this. But it may mean, if we're experiencing disappointment, it may mean that we don't have a full picture. Um, it may mean that our perspective has room to change and to reorient. And uh, I promise that this would be a little bit shorter. So let me just focus in on one last thing that has to do with security and safety that is found in God alone. Um, our Western culture is very much one in which we have to work in order to attain some kind of status in life, right? If we want something, we have to pursue it. We kind of have to prove ourselves worthy of it. If we want a great job, we need to beat out the competition. If you want a great husband, if you want a great wife, you need to prove yourself the best, best suitor. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to put my finger on here is that in each of these cases, there's something that we want. But that thing that we want um, we can never actually be sure whether we'll get this thing or not until we get it. Uh, and so when I, I guess what I'm trying to put my finger on is, is there's a real sense in our culture we have to earn these things. Not Nothing is free, right? Uh, you don't just get things. You need to earn things. And I want to say that a lot of worldviews and a lot of cultures and a lot of religions are going to communicate this same sense of earning. They're going to say strive. They're going to say chase. They're going to say seek after. They're going to say do. And then after they say those things, they're going to say, well, there's no guarantee that you're going to make it or that you're going to get what it is that you want until you do. And just as we think about this, just comparing to our topic of safety and security, I think we can ask the question of like, how safe 
is this kind of approach? How secure, what level of safety and security is in here? And I think that we can look at this and I can see, think, I think that we can say there's, there's not a lot. I mean, this is, this is not very secure. This is not very safe. This is, uh, you have to prove yourself. You have to earn. And I hope that you can do it because if you don't, uh, it's going to be your fault and you fail. Um, there's kind of an attitude of, I want to do your best. I hope it works. Um, and so there's, I think what goes along with that is an attitude of, am I making it? Am I a success? Am I a failure? The constant evaluation. And I don't think that there's a lot of safety and security in that. And I bring this up and I mention this because I think that when you compare some of this attitude to what we see in scripture, I think you see a very marked difference. And I think that you see a very big shift and it's worth mentioning here. Uh, so for example, in Ephesians 2.8, uh, it's going to say, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. In Romans 10, 9 is another place. It's going to say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, safety security, uh, a gift. And on the back of these verses, I just want to say that it seems like when we look at what Jesus has to say, he's inviting us into something that is immediate. He's inviting us into immediate safety. He's inviting us into immediate security. He's not saying uh, run through this obstacle course, jump through these hoops, and then you'll kind of come back. And at the end, when you die, we're going to weigh everything out. And who knows, then maybe you'll get to see God for 15 minutes or something, or maybe you'll get heaven, or maybe you'll get some other thing. Like we, He doesn't say that. Scripture is saying that everything that God has for you, everything that God has for us, is being held out like a gift. And it is now our responsibility simply to receive that gift. Uh, we don't need to follow all the commandments. We don't need to do this and that and that. We don't need to reach... Uh, some kind of black belt in karate or something. Um, we just receive the gift. True safety, true security right now is something that is being held out for us. And all we need to do is take it. All we need to do is say, Jesus, I accept this. Um, Father, God, um, I want this. I, I accept you. I accept your gift. Um, please, I want to be with you. Forgive me. Help me. I love you. Amen. And that's, and that's it. And we have, in that moment, we, in that moment of trust, in that moment of desire, we have true safety. We have true security. And uh, I guess for, for those of us who already have kind of come to this place where we've decided to follow Jesus, if we've already accepted this gift, um, it seems like all we need to do is rest into it. And all we need to do is maybe sit and listen and hear and make sure that we actually uh, use or, or take resource or stock of this, this uh, immediate and, and true security and true safety that we do have. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot else we could talk about.
but I think this is probably as, as deep as we go into things today. Uh, so here, I'll, uh, I'll close in prayer, and then, and then that'll be it. And uh, yeah, Father, as we close this sermon, uh, that's, yeah, that's what we pray. Um, would you, uh, yeah, would we, would we, for those of us who accepted you uh, and who have drawn close, would you show us what true safety and true security is? Would we rest in that? Would we hear your voice? Would you speak to us? And for those of us who are in a place where we're anxious and we're looking for something um, that is real, we're looking for safety, we're looking for security, uh, we pray that in this moment uh, that you would hold that out as a gift, that those who are looking for that and need that would accept it and turn to you and say, Father, I accept. I love you. Please, yeah, uh, yeah, we accept your gift. I want to follow you. I want to know you. Forgive me my sins. Yeah, so we pray for that, Father. Um, yeah, and would you bring your kingdom in our hearts, in our town, in our country, in the world? Uh, would you be the provider of all security and stability, safety, uh, behind everything that we do? Would you be the well and the resource on which, on which we draw? Would it be you that we abide in? And uh, would it be your kingdom that we seek home? Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.